No one can ever say that we're not committed to this podcast. It's currently 19, 20 degrees outside, and here we are indoors, glued to our computer screens, ready to run through all of the best that our region's rugby has to offer. Welcome to the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. This is episode five, and I think we should just get started straight away. Not only because we desperately want to hear from our special guest, but also because the sooner I stop talking, the sooner our man of the episode can leave and go and enjoy a beer in what's left of the sun. Today, joining us is Annan's new head coach, Juan Pfeiffer. Juan, how's things? Sorry to be keeping you in on such a beautiful evening. No, you're you know, it's getting a bit darker, so sorry. But you know, I'm good. I'm really, really good. Still, uh, I'll say I'm a little bit tender from the weekend, but it could have been, could have been work today as well. Wouldn't have made it any easier, <laughs> to be honest. You said you'd listened to the episode last week, and I said that mm. I always, always start by asking the story. But these past two weeks, there's just been too many good recent things to talk about. So we've got to start with with why you're feeling tender, and is it's because you've stepped into this new role but you've stepped in as a player coach. What a way to start the season, away at Kilmarnock. Great win. Yeah, it's huge. Quite a few of the boys have been at the club for a long time and they they were even saying they don't remember, one, winning in Kilmarnock and two, playing so well, which again, it's huge, huge, huge credit to them because they've obviously just come in, what, six, six, seven weeks, eight weeks. I'm trying to, you know, implement a new structure and different kind of line outs and forward work, etc. We've got a good backs to a backs coach to help the backs. I think the boys are really happy after Kamarnik. And the fact we took a seconds team down as well was huge. We had, I think that we had double bus, obviously. You guys know about double buses. So we had nineteen on the first and we had eighteen playing come coming through for the second team. That was amazing. It was such a good weekend. And, and, and so the weather stayed well for it as well. And obviously we've talked about such a such a good win at the weekend and you were really in the thick of things with that we mentioned that you're player coach what's that been like you know did you think taking this role that that would be the case did you always know that there would be playing involved did you know that you'd be playing as much as 70 minutes a game like you like you said to us off air what was your <laughs> thoughts coming into this into this new role at Anna? Uh, so initially it was my retirement after uh after their Bundesliga final on July first and then I was coming straight into coaching on the fourth. So I left Germany on the third, arrived back in Lockerbie, started preseason on the fourth of Annan. And uh, yeah, my initial plan was to just to coach and go that initially I was saying initially it was coach and just let the boys come on and enjoy them. And then secondly was like play if needed. Because obviously props are and you know props are always needed anyway. And then I think it was the first preseason game against Carlisle. We didn't actually have enough bodies, so I said, "Right, I'll just I'll get stuff on just in case." I think I ended up playing probably like twenty minutes of that as well. And I was like, "Okay, so I can be twenty minutes every week, just as an extra extra body." It's, again, it's I don't want to take someone place away. I want people to play, but again, we, we do struggle with props. And then uh, yeah, we had Langham the week after, and I played twenty minutes in that. And then the first league game, I put myself on the bench because we were. We're struggling for props again because even even as I say in the second team they started with uncontested scrums but I think there's a new law where you can just play anyway so it's fine and then one of the I guess one of the stalwarts Ryan Glass within ten minutes I think he separated his bicep so he but yeah, I'll be fine I'll be fine you know good honest guy like that I like it and then he he's like yeah not sure and he went to lift a line out and I think he was like no that's that's me so 
And to, to be fair to him, he came back on in the second half at about 60 minutes. So, yeah, so now it looks like potentially this week I'll be starting because <laughs> we, we're getting a prop down. So, yeah, again, I don't know how the wife will react to that, which is the main thing. Um, <laughs> I guess always anticipating maybe playing a game here or there, but not as much as I have been. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> We've had a few people in the past that have been have been player coach, but I don't think any as much so involved as as you've been, especially in such a short period of time since coming back. What is that like? How can you analyse the game from a coach's perspective against Kilmarnock when you've played seventy minutes? And you were you know you were saying off air as well, especially something like prop. Mm. By the time the scrum's finished, the the ball's way over there. Mm-hmm. You don't know if the tens made a beautiful pass or he. <laughs> messed everything up and it actually got cleaned up by everyone else. How do you how do you balance that playing and, and being able to have to still coach the players that you've been playing alongside? We've got as I said, we've got a good coaching group. There's five of us there. So if I go on, then they've got four guys to watch. But unfortunately on Saturday only one of the coaches could make it. So he he said he's gonna write up something and let me know about it. Analyzing it on the field is very difficult because I, I can't uh, how do you describe it? I leave it to the captain because the captain's on. He's on field captain, so I'm not a coach on the field. I'm a, I'm a player on the field. I'm just a I'm just a you know an Indian with all with the chief type deal. And then off the field, hopefully we'll get the video and have a look at look look then, and I can actually analyze it that way. There's some things I noticed on the field, like I think their maybe Kamarnik's second or third try came from an obvious defensive error from us. So I, I seen that straight away. So that's already good in my head on right. Tuesday's training isn't going to be involving, you know, that why this doesn't happen again type thing. But it's quite nice to actually be on the field and hear, kind of hear the the so the lingo that I've kind of introduced being used by the players. So sometimes I guess maybe if you're not on the field and you're on that one side and the wingers on the other and you don't really hear them, but when you're on the field you can hear what they're saying and you're like okay, so they're listening, they're they are reacting to what what I've been given. So I take that as a massive positive. But again, yeah, playing seventy minutes doesn't help with coaching. Yeah, I think that's it's that being able to to separate the two, isn't it? You know, that you're you've got to try and think when you're in coach mode and you're doing the warm up. That that's when you're doing all your coaching, and it's almost like you've done all your prep, and now it's the time for the boys just to go and express themselves and go and and go and play. And as you say, pick up on that on that lingo and, and what they're saying. Like when you're playing, is it heavily going to be heavily relying on the your coaching team being able to assist you through that, isn't it? And it's massive that you've got those five guys there helping you. Yeah, huge. Um was actually we're actually quite lucky that um I guess uh, one of the main faces of Al uh Anon Choco, he was helping out a bit because he came down to watch. So Jose Jordan was there and he's he does the backs and Choco obviously helped out with the forwards, which is great. So he's got a keen eye for, you know, for substitutions, etc., when at the right time, and yeah, when you're not, when yeah, when you're not being able to make those calls yourself, having yeah those extra bodies is great. It's really good. So we've been really lucky because we've still got Gogs on board, and obviously you, you had him on last season, last season we call it season series, yeah. So yeah, he was on that. So he's still about. So he's great to have around. And a guy John Carlisle, Oni, so he helps for us, and Kenny White, he's there every now and then, which is great. So he's again been around the club for years, and you know, there's guys that are you know the kind of 30-year-olds, 32, like kind of one of the best coaches I've ever had, 18s. and So having him on board as well is really, really good. One day we'll all be there together and there'll be, you know, there'll be five coaches to go through everything and on the sideline apart from just maybe one or two. But it'll be good. Yeah, as I said, it's, 
it's, it's great to have that that backbone of, of a coaching staff as well. So yeah, if I yeah, if I go on and play, these guys know exactly what's going to happen next. It's really good. It's it's a massive like win for Anne in that way that we've got so many boys involved, just even in the coaching side. It's great. And also, I, I think it will really tie into those those prop boys that they they know you know how it feels. So <laughs> when you're blown, they are going to be blown as well. Yeah, so exactly. th- those subs will be much easier, much more forthcoming. I <laughs> think <laughs> well, so we have enough props left. So. Who knows? Who knows next? Who's going to be here next week? Yeah, it's, it's it's yeah, it's a fun one. It's really hard to get out of playing once you once you, you say you stop, but you never really stop. Well, whatever you're doing as a collective coaching group is clearly working. What is that that you know you slightly touched on it just a minute ago that you've had a short period of time to try and bring what you want, your style, your implement into this Anna team? What is that that you're trying to do, and what is it that's actually working? It's trying to create a, a culture. I know it's a real cliched thing in, in rugby nowadays, but I really like Annan as a club is really special, like a really good community club in a football dominated town, I guess. So trying to, and I mean, they've got great, the youth, there's so many youth teams and the women's team are fantastic as well. They, I mean, they, you've got Scotland under 18 sevens players in the, the women's team. So it's a real special little club. I think it's just, I guess, maybe coming from the outside in as well makes it better. So there's no, I don't have, like, I know, fair enough, I worked with a couple of boys when I first arrived down this this area, but I don't, you know, I'm not like previous guys who have known these boys all their years. So it's, it's, I guess it's a fresh outlook. And I've come from, especially where I was when I was playing in Germany, the, the, the kind of club culture they had there was really driven towards, from generally, you played for the minis and the supporters and the parents. Like, that was how they wanted it to be. And I think I'm try- trying to implement that to the boys where th- this is, this. I want the little guys to come come to games and not go, you know, Dan Carter's my favourite player. But, you know, Josh Whiteside's my favourite player. That's what I want to see. I want them to be all involved in that. It's just, uh, yeah, and we're just, just trying to play a different kind of rugby. You know, I think maybe speaking to guys, the, the structure's slightly different. Maybe there's a bit more structure than there usually is. Like guys know where to be second, third phase instead of, just first phase and again again I said to them on Saturday that like again another kind of cliche but I want them to go out there with a with pride and, and a smile I want them to be happy and enjoy the rugby to be fair some of the, the two the tries we scored were some of the generally some of the most fun tries to watch and be involved in it, it was it was really good real exciting stuff trying to implement just something I guess I've experienced personal life into into like a into I guess what you'd say a, a smaller club Clearly, your background is heavily influenced on on what you're trying to do here at Annan. And, you know, you said, well, obviously the people listening won't know, but you said off camera that there must be so many different areas of life and your playing career that you are able to draw from. Can you give us a little, mm. bit, of a, a little bit of a background of where you've come from that's brought you to this to this stage now at Annan? Funnily, my, my story, as, as, as I kind of said, you mentioned it, began in South Africa, so... I was born born there and moved across when I was about what was it ninety four so I was like nine and moved up to Inverness again sounds really weird but my mum's from there and her family are from Inverness but they moved to South Africa in the seventies so and yeah so basically that's why I moved up there and my dad's side and all all South African and then yeah so we moved up to Inverness didn't really do I played football mainly I was more of a football player growing up so I was play I played like Inverness Cali Thistle youth 
all the way up to under 18s and had like a little bit of time with the senior squad before again having the, the you know typical Scottish young footballer I had done my ACL so I was out for a year and a half and I had to get reconstructive surgery on that I did play rugby for Highland it's like yeah when you're a kid you know you can play four sports a week and never be tired so I played a lot of time I played at Highland again it was a I really enjoyed playing rugby but football was kind of just the kind of path I was set on I was doing really I was, I was doing really well at it so I kind of stuck to it yeah, I had that knee injury, typical. And then I went to university in Dundee. And that's when I kind of picked up rugby again. I started playing at uni first and then played club rugby at Morgan, who don't even exist anymore. Yeah, so it was a long time ago. So I would have been like 20, 21, 22. And I played for the university team, got into like the Scottish student squad. Really enjoyed that. That was quite that was good fun as well. I met a lot of guys there. A lot of guys that turned out to do quite well. Then stayed at Morgan most of my days until moved to Glasgow and I spent a couple of years at Hillhead. Then myself and my, my well, it was my girlfriend at the time, but now my wife, we moved to New Zealand for a couple of years. Like, it was weird. So I, was, I would have been like 28, 29 and I was kind of like, really weird as border rugby. And then, yes, yeah, so we moved down to, to New Zealand, to South Island, to Dunedin. And I actually had a couple of friends who I played with at Morgan who said, come and play for the for the Pirates. I was like, yeah, cool, I'll come and play. And when I was there, with like my coaches were like, the guy Paul Miller, he had five caps for the All Blacks. Case Muse would be there, he would turn up every now and then. Yeah, so I learned how to scrum really well there. Actually, when I was there, I played I played hooker, only as a scrummaging hooker, because my loose head was a guy, Craig Miller, who's now capped with Japan. And my tight head was a guy called Hisa Sasangi, who played for, I'm sure he eventually got capped for Samoa, but he was with like the Hurricanes, played for the Saracens. I was like, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll stay in the middle of these two guys. And the scrums are really good. Or six would throw in. So they were they were with the Tago and the Highlanders. So it was quite good in New Zealand rugby where if those guys aren't playing club rugby, they come and play. Eh, if they aren't playing for like the super super uh, rugby or the, the Mighty 10 team, they'd come just play for their club. So, I mean, I was like, I mean, I played against Ben Smith one day and Mark Reddish and these just, yeah, they're just because they're not playing for the, the county or the, they come and just play for their club. So I was quite lucky with that, that they both got called up to the Highlander squad. So basically, <laughs> describe, I describe it as cannon fodder to begin with. The, the Tago just needed guys to scrum against and they knew that our scrum was pretty good. So I got into that and then they have like an Otago beating called the Otago Sessanex and I played played for them, which was just wild. Didn't expect that at all. And then, yeah, so we came back to Glasgow in 20... I'm sorry, why? We came back to Lockerbie first in 2016 for a couple of months and then moved back to Glasgow. I was at Hills very briefly and then moved to Cartha. And that was where I spent, what, like 2016 to 2021 before I moved down down here, as I had retired then, believe it or not. And then, <laughs> and then came down here, worked with a couple of boys who played for Annan. So it came to maybe a couple of pre-season with them. I think I played maybe two pre-season games two league games with them and then I got a phone call on the Tuesday when I was at work in VTIC funnily enough from my old coach at Cartha the guy Tam Davidson he now coaches the Hawks yeah on-site performance excellent stuff so he's, he's a good friend and he phoned and you know I was like uh, what are you up to he's like yeah I'll just work he's like, do you fancy going out to, to Germany for, to play some professional rugby I was like what he's like I've got a connection if you need it I was like okay so this was the Tuesday he's like well first thing I was like I'll phone the wife she, there's no way she's going to say yes Phoned her within 10 minutes. I phoned time back saying, she said yes. I don't believe this. She's, she's like, go for it. I was like, okay, cool. So I phoned, got all connected with a guy, Dean Kelbrick. So the name from him used to be there. So he, it was through him as well. 
So he hooked me up with the 1880 coach. We had a good chat. Phone me on Tuesday, left on Thursday, got my visas, everything sorted. He left at maybe midday, arrived there at like three, had a training session at six. <laughs> they wanted me to play on the Sunday, uh, but my ass didn't come in time. And that was that was it. So that was, I was out there for about two uh, two months, eight weeks, came home, they phoned me back to say they want you out for the second half of the season. I was like, brilliant, cool, yeah, happy to do that. Played the second half of the season. Luckily, we got to the the Bundesliga final, like the so the German German champs. We won that. Had a little discussion about next season, so season passed, and they so I got a, like a, just the offer was it was it was much better. I had more, I was more coaching as well. So try to bring a couple of young boys on as props over there and do a lot more forward orientated stuff. I did it to be fair. I did a bit of scrum coaching at Carthay as well, and there was a couple a couple of those boys that it's. Top there are now Super 6 players or were Super 6, and they, they've done quite well. So you spent another season out in Germany. Again, that kind of, yeah, they have a really long break. So we played, our first game was, well enough, September, probably equivalent to now. Finished November 21st. Then you come back for the next game of that is March, and you play till July. So you oh, it's, they have a massive winter break. But the, the national team have like their B6 nations, so they're playing in that. So there's a wee break. And yeah, so I finished that, and then um, I can't remember when it was. I can't remember if I actually said before I went back for the second half of last season that I was going to take take over head coaching at Annan, or I was like, talking about it anyway. And then I think I accepted it while I was there. Yeah, again, it was a retirement thing, but obviously it's not gone that way totally yet. I've been real lucky. I've, I've been with the clubs I've been at and the people I've met, and realizing how small the world, the rugby world, is especially. Even like last season, guy Fraser Hasty, he joined us. He played for Harriet Super Six and had a wee bit of Edinburgh Glasgow. So, you know, I was like, they're not even the only, only Scotsman there. It was really cool. Still speak to him daily as well. So we keep in contact and yeah, it's cool. No, it's really good. It's really good. And some of the boys are, yes, I played played with David Halafnua. He was like a three time World Cup player for Tonga. You can, if you search him on YouTube, he's like, David, he's like the hardest hitter, one of the hardest hitters you ever meet, like kind of thing. He's one of these guys and, when the guys this year has just gone to La Rochelle. So it's a really good little thing they've got going on in Germany now. Some really good players out there that could, I'm sure there's some of them, well, you'll end up hearing about them Monday, but there's some really good talent out there to come through. But yeah, that's how it kind of ended. And it ended up in Ann. <laughs> so that's it. It's a real wild story. <laughs> that is wild. But do you know, it's, it's not even surprising because we, we've had this conversation so many times on the podcast that that's one of the real values of rugby is that the people you get to know and the connections you build and you end up just finding finding opportunity all over the like Dean is was doing the, the American scholarship thing he's he's now moved on to that you know Tam I've, I've known Tam through different channels so yeah it's just it's mental how connections just mm. take you to places and give you opportunities and open doors and it's amazing. You never know just quite who you're going to play with that then yeah, yeah. going somewhere. Eh? It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I've said even there's a couple of guys that I like a guy I played with in Germany the first season. He went out to Australia, and then a couple of Scottish boys I played with at Cartha played with him in Australia. And you're just like they, you know you get video calls from them, and it's yeah, it's funny. The connections are amazing. It's it's really it's really I say it's a real small community around the world that boys just link up. It's it's, it's class. It's really good. It's really good. Well, I know I, I go places and if I see somebody wearing rugby kit, I'll, I'll try and identify the badge. 
and then think, <laughs> do, do I know somebody that maybe knows somebody that, and you can build, you, you can go over and just have that connection, and then all of a sudden you can be there for an hour just chatting rugby. It's it's amazing. That is really good. No, it's good. It's good, yeah. Especially, it's it. The world is much smaller than you think at times. So you've been all over the world, Juan, playing amazing rugby against amazing people with amazing people. But there's obviously something that makes you happy to be at Annan. There's something that draws you here. There's something that made you come back, ultimately. What is it? <laughs> I'm allowed to say my wife, I guess, is probably the main thing, right? She kind of, she was my, she, <laughs> so this, I say my second season out, I kind of had a, I had a deal with her. Yeah, something's had to happen before before any, or I could go or, you know, or stay. I basically discovered my agent was her and whatever she said was the best option for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like coming down here, it's, it's really good. I mean, she's from this kind of Lockerbie area. It's quite surprised when I actually came down here that there wasn't a rugby team in Lockerbie. I don't know why I thought there would be just because of, I'm sure it's a Nick DeLuca from here. I'm sure he's, aye. so I don't know why I thought that would be a, a good thing to be. When I went to, I went to work with a boy that played. Well, the, the guy again, rugby connection got me working. Annan, believe it or not, a guy David Wiley. I worked at yes, DWS Fences. He best mates uni with one of my best mates at high school in Inverness. Guy Ewan McIntosh, who now coaches the New Zealand Sevens. So we had that connection. See rugby, as you said, John, rugby, everything. So he said, yeah, Dave's got work. So I went to work with him. And then I met quite a couple of boys. We got Callum Bell, Dinger, probably boys know him. He he was a guy I worked with, so we bonded really well, got on really well. And he said, "Come tan and give it a shot." And then I met the boys there, and they're just generally there was something quite Cartha about it. Like Cartha's a really good family club, and I felt really instantly when I went to Anna, it felt exactly the same as Cartha to me. Um, and I really loved my time at Cartha, to, to be honest. Yeah, something about that kind of community feel and all the boys are friends and there wasn't like any, wasn't like any infighting that I, I could see. And then obviously when I went away, I'd still keep in contact with these guys I worked with and, you know, the, they were really good. They'd message me and see how I was getting on. Uh, even like, some of them were planning on actually coming out to watch one of the last final round, but unfortunately they couldn't make it through work or whatever. And they, they just kept in contact with me. It's just, it was weird, like... You know, you know, you kind of people say you make all your friends by the time you're what 24, 25. But coming down here, I was what 30, 35. I didn't really know anyone, and these guys took me in straight away. So I had this kind of affinity for for Annan and the boys there because they welcomed me like family. And it was great, and it's still like that now. Just everything about it's really good. Youngsters come and watch. Their mums come and watch. It's there's people there's people that are that uh, Violet Bank. I would say seven days a week because of just general love for the club and you can feel it when you're there so it's, it's special it's really nice it's really yeah it's really special the club so how much of the of the coaching you know you you said you you did a little bit maybe in the in the tail end how did all the coaching kind of come about you know was that something that you always really wanted to do was it something that you were kind of pushed to do after realizing maybe this is the end of my playing career even though it's clearly not because you played <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> You know, how did the coaching come about? And, and you know, did you feel you were ready for a head coach role? Because, you know, a lot of people kind of get thrown into these situations, whether they think they're ready or not. Yeah, they're an or West One club in Scotland. They're not the teams you played for in New Zealand. They're not the teams you played for in the Bundesliga, but you're still head coach of a big club. The way it kind of started, so I did a little bit of coaching at uni, so I kind of coached the uni team a little bit, but that was uni rugby, so it's a, it was a bit of fun. But then it was when I went to Cartha, kind of under Tam's tutelage, 
he can he asked me a question one season about do you want to go on as scrum or do you want to be a scrum coach? And like basically I was like, Yeah, that'd be cool. He says, otherwise he asked me to be captain of Carthage that year. So I kind of went that way. And it was good because I I kind of I guess I'd, I'd learned from quite experienced guys when I was out in New Zealand, etc. But the guys that are playing with were really young boys coming through and I quite enjoyed that. I could see a lot of raw talent in some of them. And to be fair, they've done really well for themselves. I'm actually really proud of a couple a couple of boys that went I say went on to play Super Six. And now they're kind of playing Prem rugby with where's Marcus? So guy Marcus Goodwin. He he kind of had my kind of similar journey. I kind of looked at him, he was a seventeen year old, played for Pollock, he was a footballer, and then he got made to play rugby. He started at centre, moved to prop. So I kind of took him under my wing and he ended up doing really well. He ended up playing for Burmere Bears. I think he got on the he played for Glasgow A for last season. And now he's taking time out to go back. He's he's at Hawks. Like I look at Alessandri, was another guy that kind of those, he's now Burmese Bears as well. The Burmese Bears is kind of like, it was like the Cartha conveyor belt of props, which is really good. He stayed there just now. And then there's a lot of young a lot of guys who are now playing at Hawks, which is great to see. I think out of that kind of protégés of props in front rows, there's one boy left at Cartha who's now, I think he's the vice captain, which is really good. So he's, he's, he's grown up as well. So yeah, I've always had that kind of scrum coaching in me. And then went to, went to, I came down here, I was just playing, then went to Germany and just played. But again, I did a little bit of the scrum stuff. And then last year, I was meant to be scrum coach and assistant forwards coach. But our actual main forwards coach, he ended up going to coach Tel Aviv Heat in that kind of Super Cup thing. So it left us in a kind of quandary where I was just meant to be assistant and scrum, but still playing to being almost a forwards coach. So yeah, that was harder, I think, getting thrown in that one. Because I was like, I wasn't expecting this. I knew I was going to be there to help, but not be the main kind of force coach. Which turned out I didn't have to do much. I just kind of worked on. It's quite funny actually. I worked on the scrums and Fraser worked on the set piece. So our forwards dominant stuff were Scottish. <laughs> so it's quite good. Uh, Scottish boys taking over there, and then coming coming to Anna to try a coach. It was it's something totally different. Again, because we've got so many coaches at the club. It's not. I don't feel like it's just me. I know I've got these four other guys to help me. So it's, I don't think it's that tough because they're great for constructive criticism. They take on board things what I'm trying to do. So, you know, there's, there's a good a good 50-50 split between us. But none of us, I mean, it comes maybe it comes down to team decisions. I'll put down a team team sheet. I'll send it out and see what they think. And if they go, change that, change that. And I'll go, yep, yeah, you're the backs. I understand why you're doing this. comes to forwards, I kind of... I guess maybe that's my area. So I know what my kind of pack's going to be. But yeah, the head coach role is something definitely didn't get thrown at me, but I've kind of been building to, I think maybe my last, maybe like my last month in Germany, I know we're building up, we're building up to a final, but I always had that in the back of my head that when I leave here, I'm not playing, I'm going to coach. So I was kind of helping more, like the 16, the 18s would always ask me, at 1880 would ask me to come and help scrum wise. So I always knew that kind of scrum forward stuff's fine. Head coach, it's totally different, but as I say, I've got the back of four other coaches to help me, and it's it's running really well, really well at the moment. We'll wait for winter and see what happens then. <laughs> I always found whenever you were the head coach, it was all about managing people, essentially. You know, the, yeah. the technical knowledge is, is dealt with by the, the guys underneath. You set you set the framework as the head coach, and they, they go out and they, they do the graft, they do the delivery. <laughs> so I can 100% believe that being mm. the 
you know, the followers coach is a much tougher job, play a followers coach than than being the head coach. Because as you say, if you've got coaches underneath you, you can set the framework and then they, they go and manufacture and make whatever it is that you're wanting to do. The, the challenge is exactly that. Whenever it comes to the winter and you've got to move everybody to rock up, get everybody on the get everybody on the bus and get them all to games, that that becomes the most challenging part of being a head coach. But it's the most enjoyable part, like creating the, creating the the culture as you say and, and bringing the boys on that journey with you. And it's obviously there's something brewing there at Annan that mm. that's that's leading towards what's hopefully going to be a a good season for you. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, so something I actually set out at the beginning. So I took them all in on Tuesday and I put down the first four fixtures on the board and asked them, what do we, what are our targets for this? What do we want points-wise, for example? So the boys, for, I'll, I'll let you know since you obviously this, that happened already. So they looked at Kamarnik away. They're like, well, it's a place not really win, but we want four points. So good. So we set a target of four points. We left Kamarnik with five. So we're ready on a, you know, an upward gradient to begin, which is great. It was a real galvanised performance at Kamarnik. It was class. It was brilliant. So it's just now we move on to DL, and we've got a target for that. So we've set we've set our targets. We've got a end of the month where we want to be after four games. It's something I quite like. That's something we Tam used to do at Cartha, and it's something I liked, and I think it worked for me personally. So I thought, you know, I'll try and bring it in at Annan and see how boys react it. And you know, they were really. You know, it sets them a target for first four games. You don't want to go, you're going to, with the mindset already of what you want, which is, is great. It's really, it's a real positive way of looking at it. Because obviously we're a, we're a podcast that promotes the region. When we're, when me and John talk about who to get on as guests, we don't want to bring on, well, we have a long list of people that we want to bring on, but we don't want to bring them on when they're not playing well. Basically, mm-hmm. if they if bring on the head coach, if they've lost a couple of games, because we we want them to promote their positivity about the club. And this is a perfect time because, as you've just said, <laughs> getting you on, as you've just said, a fantastic result at Kilmarnock and the positivity around the club. I know it's one game in, mm-hmm. but it must be, you must be riding a good wave at the moment there at Anna. Yeah, well, I actually think it started at pre season because obviously we played Carlisle. And again, the boys said they've not been Carlisle in years and we beat them in pre-season and then we went to Langham and we beat them as well which again it wasn't our best performance to be fair Langham played really well but they have a team that they were undefeated last year I think they won every game in their league so and they're now East 1 so they're they're the same league as us so they're not a team that's not that's used to winning where Annan were a team that were you know 50-50 almost I think they were finished 6th last season so I think it stemmed from there because we went we went with the wrong mindset to Langham, to be honest. I think we just thought we'll walk over them, but we didn't. It was close. So we had a, we had that week off and then came into that Kilmarnock game with two wins out of two. I know they're pre-season. They don't always, people don't think about it that way, but they're two teams that we've not beaten in a long time. Coming into a third game, a team they've not beaten away in a long time and hopefully it just continues. So it's just, it's just about that kind of positive mindset and making sure these guys, there's a lot of, you know, there's one other thing. I think it's the same down here as, as in the north and the highlands and islands, there's so much potential, but we get missed out because we're not in that central belt. And you can see there's, there's guys down here that like cracking players. Even when we're watching the the tens, I'm off it. There's some really good players out there, and they're just yeah, they won't they won't get recognised or picked up till late. But we're not central belt people. It's one of those. 
Yeah, it's, it's unfortunately it's, it's one of them things, you know, lottery, lottery where you're born. But I'm just gonna, I'm going to tell you that I sp- I spoke to a couple of Annan boys before you'd even arrived in the country, <laughs> um, and there was they were already buzzing for the season because that's one of the things we talked about last season on the pod was like every now and again Annan would show glimpses of being absolutely brilliant. So so there was always that potential bubbling underneath. And, and when Goggs was on, he was talking about that consistency of, of players and getting the, getting the same boys out. And that always seemed to be the problem for Annan. And, you know, you've obviously got your A team out in the pre-season because they've been, they've been gearing up, they've been ready. We've got that now in the in the first game of the season, you've got that A team out and they've managed to produce a result. And as you say, the reserves coming on the bus, creating that, that yeah. one club feeling. It, it really is an exciting time at Annan. Buzzing for the season. Yeah, the boys are great. Like, the, as I said, there's there's a lot of young guys in our team. So I think our back sort are nine and ten. Or Fraser McMillan, who's eighteen, nineteen, and Josh, who's I think he's twenty twenty one. He's not that old. And then another young guy, Aitken Render. He's he's a, he's a really class player. So he, unfortunately, he's off to uni, uh, back to uni. So he'll be. I think he's going to back with Curry coming to play with us next week. So he missed the L because the dual register is great. And then you've got a guy, Ollie Ferdinand, and their second row, Ollie, Ollie Ferdinand and Fraser Hope. Two young boys, 21 and 25. We're really lucky with the youth we've got. And then you've got experienced guys like, you know, Dengs, Kieran Warwick, Shaza. In the back line, you've got Willocks and AJ is there. Again, one of these things there was AJ, like, I, didn't, I didn't strip him of the captaincy, but he's a guy that he leads from the front. And I said, when we were talking about captaincy, he didn't need it. Because he's so like respected and people respond to him, so it's, it's kind of given a challenge to uh, Kieran now to bring his game up a level. Because again, he's a really good player, and I think this extra, not even pressure on him, I just think it's he's quite he's quite a Annan guy at heart, and I think boys will see that and lead from that. And you know, we're really, I'm really lucky with the guys I've got on the team. We've got leaders from you know one to fifteen. It's it's great. It's such such a good thing to have. Where you might only have three voices, but on the pitch there's fifteen, which is class, and that's not something you can get every club. If you know what I mean, sometimes it's a bit one man speaks and that's it. But yeah, it's 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 really it's really good. There's so there's so many young boys coming through, and I, and I think what we were saying it's the hard thing about being down here is keeping them down here, because obviously the 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 lore of university and life in Glasgow, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, etc. is is a big as much bigger deal to, to youngsters but I think you'll find them coming back eventually so yeah we've got a good core and then you know just we're quite lucky I think that the thing's the first time in, in a while we're going to have a headache for the back line this week for selection which is a nice thing to have as you'll know as, 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 a, as a back and a <laughs> coach yeah it's great and it's in the getting the squad yeah basically the boys train together ones and two train together so if sometimes the ones player there's a two guy who can step in and know the structure know how we're trying to play there's not and I don't want there to be a divide, which I find a lot of clubs have a divide between your first, second, third, wherever you go. And I think that's probably one of the main reasons why there's such a good feeling at the club at the moment. Because everyone, I think everyone thinks, you know, I might, I might get a chance, which is what I want. I want boys to have that. It's not a... I think we're lucky. There's, there, as I say, there's great players, but there's not like a superstar. So we're, I'm building a team, not building a team around one guy. I'm building a team around a community, I guess, is what I'm trying to do. I think you do have a couple of superstars in your team, yeah. I've I've seen some of them 
but they don't have an ego. But they don't have an ego though. That's that's the key to it, isn't it? That that's just it's so community based. They are class players that should probably be playing at a much higher level. But they're mm. they're not interested because they want to play for their home club. They want to play for Annan and, and the lure of Glasgow in a front isn't for them. They want to stay mm. with their home their home team and that's and that's what you're building that team around with the guys you've just named there. Yeah, they're all class players and it's just keeping them around and keeping that core block that will then take you through for the next five, six years. Well, that's it. A couple of them are, I know a couple of them are getting on a bit. I know they won't mind me saying that because they told me. But, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a good group. There's, you know, there's like a young bunch. Then you've got like a 25 to 29 bunch. And there's like a 30, 33. And there's maybe a couple of 35 plus. It's the, not the fear, but the, lose if you lose maybe a couple of these 35 guys, 35 plus guys, then it's these young ones that are going to just filter in. And it's quite good, even at, even at training, the 18s are training with us. You know, they train with the first team. There's some really good talent in the 18s as well, which is, I was really, really happy to see that. I know the training, the contact's a bit different because you can't do much with them. But when we're doing our touch, yeah, there's some good young guys coming through, which is real, real good to see. Well, the wheels are in motion. We know about mm-hmm. the community in Anne, and we know about the coaching staff you have behind you, the core group that you've got in the team. What can someone that comes to train under you what can they expect from coach juan what can we expect here on the podcast to talk about for the next i, I really have no no idea how long these seasons are because they're <laughs> they can i think, I think it finishes in february <laughs> the next whatever six months or so what can we expect <laughs> from from your kind of coaching style what are you trying to bring when it comes to the coaching side as opposed to the playing side are you bringing stuff from new zealand from germany from Cartha from Inverness. Are you yeah, trying to start something new. What is the what's the game plan? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't want to give away too much. Obviously, we've got a structure out. So I think a lot of guys have played a played where they maybe know where they are after one phase. I'm trying to get them to lower where they need to be after two, three phases, and then what we can do after that. So it's just maybe bringing a bit more structure so they know what they're doing, and then. After they've done what I want them to do, then they've got their freedom, and that's when they play their rugby. So maybe it's maybe it's really boring. Maybe the first part's really boring, but the second part's exciting. So we've got to be building up something again. If I, if I get to manage to get the uh, highlights of Kilmarnock, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> so so I'm good. So yeah, again, it's something we're implemented. I don't call it defence. I call it attack without the ball. So everything's attack. That's the best best way I like to think about it. Simple. So we can force teams to make errors. We will capitalise because our preseason was really it was quite fitness based. I know your previous guest was not as much into the fitness side of it. It wasn't old school. It wasn't old school, but it, it was it was more tailored towards position specific stuff. And I think that's something that was quite new to them. And they, I, I don't know if they enjoyed it. <laughs> if that's the right word. But they definitely benefited from it. I could see that in the games. So I'm trying to implement this kind of, again, my background was S&C at uni. So I've got that background as well, which is quite helpful. And mainly, mainly what the guys generally is just to be all the role models to everyone around them, regardless of age or, you know, if it's the ladies team or the men's team, whatever it is, they've got to be positive role models. I think they have to be a pride in their play, as I've said to them before, and just enjoy it. It's your mates you're playing with. After all, rugby is a hobby, so you got to enjoy your hobbies. You don't you, people don't do hobbies to not enjoy them. I just want them to have fun. Here. The best thing, the best thing you say about it, yeah. Come, come to Annan with pride and have fun. Simple, it's real simple in the long run. 
Juan, the penultimate thing then to do is ask you about five weeks' time and five years' time. Mm. The infinitely hard question. Five weeks, including this weekend coming up. You can give us a little bit, bit of your thoughts on hopefully backing up a, a good win against Kilmarnock with uh, your first home game of the season against DL. What, after DL, are you looking forward to? And what, if anything, that you can think of, do you want the next five years to hold? That's quite good. Lucky you said that. Cause as I said, I've done the first four games already. We've already organised that. but So now we're going a bit further. So yeah, we're, we're still got... So the five weeks we've got the yeah, we've got two home games that are away to Wigtonshire, which is obviously a bit of a bit of a derby. Ideally in five weeks' time, I want the the boys to be where they say they want to be. We want to be in that kind of top three. That's our aim. If we're in the top three in five weeks' time, that is a target we, we're, we're aiming for. In five years' time, that that's it's a tough one. But in five years' time, I'd like Annan Rugby Club to be a big part of Annan itself. I want us to be more involved in community. I know there's a football team there, but I want people of Annan to know there's a rugby team there too. I want Annan and also in this whole area. You know, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to go up to the National Four and see how we get on. That's the kind of aim. So spoke to the boys about it, what they want to do. There's guys that are keen to get if they want they want to finish top two, top first, I'm happy. And it's just what we want to do after that. I'd love to see Annan, you know, sitting in National Four, maybe even having a wee push at National Three in five years' time. We'll see how we get on from there. That was uh, that would be my aim for Anna definitely. But the main main part is being a community club, having you know having this in five years the team guys that are playing sixteens to be core members of a first team squad, guys that are eighteens that have already played and established themselves as first team squad members. That that is a real big goal for me. To finish off then, Juan, a bit of fun. Quick, <laughs> our teammates. Okay, no, it is completely your choice whether you want to do this with your Anon boys or people that you've played with all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whoever comes into your head first, please yep. fire it away. Okay. Hardest trainer, hardest working? Oh, cur- I'm going to go currently. I would say the guy Murray Forbes, Masher. He works hard as hell. I'll give him a lot of credit for that. Who's the loudest in your dressing room? Oh, God, Callum Bell, dinger. You can't shut him up, man. <laughs> Worst dresser? Uh, there was a guy, Michael Thompson Lurch, if you know him. Terrible dress sense. He's just, also, also, if you ever listen, congratulations, you just had a wee baby. So I'll give him that. Well, that's only only positive. <laughs> Who spends the longest in front of the mirror? Oh, geez, wouldn't that be? That would be a guy who played in Germany called Tim Vignac. Hell of a handsome man, so I don't blame him for it. Worst taste in music? Who are you really trying to avoid giving the giving the playlist to? See, most people probably say me, to be honest. So I'll put myself up for that one, but I don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> what about most naturally talented? Who's just got the raw skill of rugby? Uh, oh, gosh. Who would that be? Bloody hell. Oh, some, someone like, yeah, Josh Whiteside. He's just naturally knows how to play rugby. There's something. He's got something. Definitely got something. What about the biggest prankster? The one always cracking the jokes in the dressing room. It was a guy, a guy again, a guy I played with in, in Germany, a guy Jeremiah Skelton. Yeah, you couldn't trust him with a camera or anything, man. He's always, always about. He's one of these guys that would make a video of you and put your face on something else. Yeah, he's funny. He's a good, good guy though, but well, you just don't want to be. You don't want to be random. <laughs> this one is my favorite one actually. I love, I love hearing whoever this is in the dressing rooms. Who's the laziest in training? but then can just step out on the pitch on game day and just be world-class. 
You know, so that's a tough one. There's a guy, pop, I'll be honestly, this sounds really horrible. But she's usually like, there's guys, there's guys that, I'm starting to sound really bad, but she's like an Islander boy. So really chill and don't do much. And then all of a sudden the game switch on and it just, it's like, it's just so natural in that sport, man. It's crazy. But I can't, off the top of my head, the main one, who'd I think of? A guy, Mark Barrowman, I played with a Carter. <laughs> Not even an Islander, a white guy from Pollock. <laughs> I think the one, the, the second last one that everyone really struggles with or hard to pick because there's so many is the hardest man. Oh, hardest man. There was a guy, probably my first proper rugby hero was a guy I played with at Morgan, a guy called Danny Van Nakerk, African boy. And I remember him. Number eight. Yeah. Played with the four-man pad. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. trying to tackle him at training. He was one of these guys. He didn't run straight. He ran with his knees out. But he he, he was, yeah, I remember, yeah, j- just hard, hard man. Even, <laughs> I remember he pretended to punch me once and it hurt so much more than a pretend punch should. I don't think I've ever seen him get subbed. He uh, definitely encouraged. So I was a back row back in the day then, and he always told me one thing I tell people nowadays as well is as long as you're the fastest player over five to ten meters, you'll do all right. Yeah, you were probably my hero growing, growing up playing rugby, and the hardest man, definitely, definitely the hardest man I've ever played with. When I played national three, we played against Morgan, my old club, Irvin played against Morgan. Oh, yeah, so Philander and yeah, Rushy, Rushy, yeah. I would have played against you back in those days. Yeah, you would have, you would have, <laughs> but our whole game plan was based on around him. Like oh, really? you had to stop him over five ten meters. Yeah, otherwise you were done for. Like yeah. that was the whole game plan. We <laughs> picked, selected our back row purely to, to try him. and stop him from getting game game line. So that's experience. So, yeah. You'll know. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hard, hard, oh. horrible, horrible <laughs> as an opposition player. I said, say, you're, you're, it's one of those guys. I'm so happy he's on my team. Yeah, massively, absolutely. Now, yeah. if we could, if we could have picked anybody, we, that he was always first guy. Like, if we oh. could, if we could steal a player, he was, he was ridiculous. Such yeah. a I mean, but a good story about him was he was at the Western Province Academy growing up. So he was like with Corny Creeker, that kind of age. So when he was, what did he tell me? When he was 19, 18, they told him to talk, stop squatting because his legs were so big. Now you, you'll, know, you'll remember what they were like, but that, yeah. that age being told to stop squatting because your legs are too big. And they were <laughs> stupid. But that's, I mean, it's, yeah, he, he was, yeah, that was the Morgan. All the blacks, they get called. So they're like an over 40 team. And every now and then his name pe- peaks up for like uh, sevens and tens events. So he's still got the, still got a little bit of love for it. Hard man. Simple as that. Yeah. Lovely man, which is the worst thing about him. He wasn't <laughs> like a dick at all. He was just a great guy. Last but not least then is best on a night out. Who are you taking for a pint? If you could cho- choose one. Best on a night out. Oh, there's a guy, at, again, an 1880 guy, because I spent a lot of time with him, was a guy called Marcel Bright. <laughs> Marcel Bright, yeah, so Marcel Becker. He showed me all the good spots in Germany to go, especially in Frankfurt. So, yeah, he's good for a night out. I would recommend if you ever go across, get in contact with him. He will tell you the right places to go. <laughs> Pan, your rugby story is amazing, and we are privileged to have you... <laughs> back at Annan over here and on the pod thank you so much for coming on hope you've enjoyed Lovely, yourself yeah. and, and we're really hoping for the best that Annan continue this good run of fixtures and the next time we get you on you will have just won another game and we're, we're not having to get you on after a bad run of results 
you know, the conversation might be totally different. It'll be fine. But, you know, next time we might be on, we might be playing each other in the same league. For all you know, that's the plan, isn't it? <laughs> we'll get, you on, we'll you get you on before that. We'll get you oh, on yeah. before that. We'll do an end-of-season review. That's and we'll see how you how you measured up against the, the goals. No, it's been perfect. No, thank you very much. Really, really enjoyed it. I'm sorry I ramble every now and then, but it's good to talk about rugby. I say just two people like rugby and you can talk to them about it. That's it's nice. Like It's a good feeling. You're listening to the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, bringing you the latest updates, captivating interviews and in-depth analysis of the sport we love. And now we have some exciting news for our listeners. This season, we are proudly sponsored by BE Uniforms, the clothing partner of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. They have been providing top quality workwear and rugby kits for over 34 years, serving rugby clubs, schools and businesses across Scotland and the north of England. What sets BE Uniforms apart is their commitment to quality and their extensive experience in the industry. With 10 retail stores spread across the region, they are the largest uniform company in the area. They've partnered with renowned brands like Canterbury and Macron, making them the go-to destination for all your rugby kit needs. From Melrose to Oban and beyond, BE Uniforms has been supplying top quality rugby kits to clubs all over Scotland. So, if you're gearing up for the 2023-24 season and looking for a reliable kit supplier, we highly recommend checking out BE Uniforms. Visit their website at beuniforms.com to explore their impressive range of rugby kits and workwear options. But that's not all. Did you know that BE Uniform hosts the podcast shop on their website? Now you can go show your support for the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast by purchasing exclusive DG Rugby Pod merch. We want to express our sincere gratitude to BE Uniforms for their support in bringing you this season of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Now, let's get back to the action on the field. Stay tuned for more captivating interviews and insightful previews and reviews of all the thrilling rugby happening across Dumfries and Galloway. Part two of episode four, ready to go. I know very quickly earlier in the episode, at the start of this episode, I said it was episode five. I was wrong about that. It is episode four. And for the first time, we have a few clubs to talk about this season when it comes to results. And we have a hell of a lot to get through, as well as a full fixture of games coming up this weekend. So let's get cracking. Starting off with the boys this week. Newton Stewart picked off their season at home at Bladnock, but fell short 14-31 against a travelling Falkirk. Real tough start for the campaign for for the Newton boys. I know through my sources that some of their some of their players were maybe carrying carrying a few injuries, carrying a few knocks. May have had a, a slight impact in the game, but having spoken to Wiley uh, since the weekend, he says Pretty much long and short of it was they got beaten by the better team. Two tries apiece in the first half. Thomas McDonald and Mark McCormick got on the got on the score sheet for Newton with Jack Gaw doing the duties on the kicks, which meant that they went in with a 14-12 lead at half time. But the cliche strikes again. The second half was all Falkirk. Uncharacteristic errors from the Newton-Stewart team just didn't allow them to control any territory. 
Falkirk capitalised on those mistakes. Wiley reckons Newton probably tried to play a little bit too much rugby at times and Falkirk were just on them and, and they were really clinical, which makes it interesting for their next game against Last Wade because that is a, a bit of a banana skin for them. So Falkirk ended up getting three tries in the second half, two of them converted. So it's a little bit of a disappointing start, as you say, 31 14 doesn't doesn't even get them bonus points. So we get nothing from that game, unfortunately, for Newton Stewart. Potentially also a little bit disappointing for Saints because they also lost at home, albeit a lot closer than the Newton game. Saints at Park Farm, 26, Boromir, 28. Boromir, we knew they were, they were going to recruit really well. We, we talked about that last time. Um, and it was going to be a real tough, tough one for Saints. And that was certainly certainly the case. Boromir got off to an early lead, and the Saints guys were were constantly trying to catch them. But by the time it was it was just too much. Yeah, they, they weren't able to make that. Probably too many young players just not got that experience. But that that's going to come. I spoke to Paddy during the week. He said pretty much the same thing. This year is all about the young players coming through and trying to rebuild that squad. Last year with the relegation, they they had certainly had a dent in the confidence, and this year it's it's going to be a about trying to rebuild that confidence back up. That's that's his sort of game plan. That's his, his idea behind it. And with that, you know, it's going to take time to get that confidence back. So from Saturday, he was really happy with the, the heart and the effort that the boys put into the game. They they really tried to give it their absolute all and they, they were willing to throw the ball around. You know, Dumfries have maybe been played a little bit of a stuffy game the last, the last couple of years. Paddy's tried to break that cycle and try and play a bit with the ball. So so they're certainly what he's seen in pre-season, he's certainly seen sort of transferring into this first game. He still thinks that they need a little bit of clarity in their defensive systems. They'll need to build on some new partnerships across the team. But again, he's he's happy. There's nothing really major that he's starting to hit the panic button with. It's only one game, but there's nothing there that he's going, you know, oh no, this is going to be a disaster. We're going to have to work really hard at this. So all the boys played really well. There was a, there was a shout out to Harry Hoodley, who was just an absolute workhorse in the pack, tackled everything. Gregor Robertson was, sorry, Gregor Robinson was a massive threat in attack as a ball carrier. Another shout out to the young lads, Fergus Clanachan and Kerr Parson, who tried to control the game in at 10 and 15. Played some really good stuff, and it was actually Fergus who finished off the last play of the game to score the the bonus point try, the try that got them two extra bonus points. So well done to him. The other thing that Paddy was really happy with was that that try right at the very end showed that the lads have it in them to play some really expansive rugby. That's where they're going to try and push on from some strong carries in the first half, some offloading, and then see if they can play that expansive game. All in all, he was happy. There was, again, there was a couple of frustrations for him. They were physically dominant up front and posed, in his opinion, a bit more of a threat in attack, but that just didn't translate into field position and they, they didn't capitalise. So the experience of Boromir really sh- shone through. They were able to catch them out on a f- couple of occasions, some real soft errors from Dumfries that just meant Boromir were able to capitalise and, and show their experience in the in the game. Positives and a little bit of negatives there for Dumfries, but as we said, it's a building process for a rebuild for Dumfries. Um, and they're certainly on the on the cusp of it. You know, if they're only losing by a couple of points to Burham, that's that's a good start. Yeah, you'll like this as well, John. Obviously, I had a couple of my mates 
that were playing for Barmuir and they said that Jack Steele was very obviously a great player, played really, really well. And it was just, it was obviously pure raw talent that he was good at the game of rugby, but could not chop a pint to save his life after the game. Which, to be fair, to be fair, they said Jack did own up to that, but apparently it was it was just atrocious. Oh, he'll need to go and practice that then. Can have that being can have that being said about him. And of course, Roscoe was another tight one for the D and G teams. Stewartry played Strathmore at home in the first National League game for I would I would go as far as to say over a decade. Thirty points to twenty nine, last kick of the game. Talk us, talk us through it because you, you started the game, didn't you, big fella? Yeah, I started, played fullback, played the full 80, which I was tough with. So, yeah, I mean, the Dumfries game was close, two points, but this had just one point in it. What a game, honestly. One of those that you're so thankful to have been a part of because you know it's going to be talked about and relived and ultimately hold a good memory for us no matter what happens for the rest of this season because starting National Four that way against arguably the best side in the league is is unreal. We started really poorly, no two ways about it. I think we were somewhat still in the dressing room and also struggled in the first 20 with the tackle height, giving away a lot of penalties. But as we always do, we managed to stick in, claw our way back. John, you like your cliches, and if ever there was a rugby cliche, it was this game, because it was so end-to-end, back and forth. 0-5 0-5 to Strathmore, 7 5 10-10, 10-10, 10-15, 13-15, 13-22, 20-22, 27-22, 27-29, and then 30-29 to us, which is pretty ridiculous, really. Proper battle. I thought we played some really good rugby. Our offloading game was, was really good. Strathmore were no slouches, obviously. They scored five tries which isn't our best. But a lot of their points were easily avoidable and therefore kind of easily fixed. But to score with a penalty like that is is fantastic. Big respect. Has to go to John Picken. He missed some fairly easy kicks in the first half and he certainly wasn't kicking his best in the game and in the warm-up. But it takes some minerals to step up from 40 metres and nail a winning penalty. So, so fair play. The thing about playing fullback is you kind of... You get to watch the game unfold. I like to pick and choose when I join when I join the attack. I choose my moments, so I kind of had it all in front of me, which was which was nice to see. Standouts for me were Sam Tate, Finley Telfer, Archie Nicholson. He got man of the match. Lockie Spence and and Fraser Gibson, who I don't think missed a tackle the whole game. Sandy said after after the match. So what a way to start on to the next one. Yeah, the really exciting thing. About all those names you've just read out there, Roscoe, they're, they're all still young, eh? They're all still, you know, some of them not even not even turned 20 yet. Some of them just, just turning 20. It bodes well. It bodes well. We've got some talented youngsters coming through, uh, making, their, making their mark in that first 15 and, and holding their own in the National League. Holding their own in West 1, of course, we've just had Quan on. Fantastic to chat to him. An amazing rugby story, John, and and an amazing start for Annan. You know, we don't want to take too much away from what he's already said, but Kilmarnock 22, Annan 38, nevertheless, is a fantastic result. <laughs> yeah, as you said, we, we spoke to, to Jan earlier on in the podcast and we, and we were asking him about the game. 
and he'd said, you know, I was I was in player mode. There's there's no way I can give you I can give you a match report. So we're just gonna summarise basically what it says on the on the club Facebook page because Jan couldn't remember the game. It was uh, that swept up in the in the emotion of it and, and tried to play. So it was it was the home side that took a lead early in the exchange, but Annan had hit back through speedster speedster Aitken Render on his debut start, who crossed the whitewash to make it five all. Kamarnock retook the lead with a penalty, but the last ten minutes were all Annan. And Willex and Aitken scored a try apiece. Josh Whiteside converted one to make it 17-8 at halftime. The chances of a start for both sides, but it was Annan who scored first thanks to Fraser McMillan try. Josh converted, Josh Whiteside also converted that, which took it to 24-8. And the black and yellow scored a bonus point try there to make sure that they've got the full complement. Kamarnock hit back not long after to make it 24-15 with 20 minutes to go. It was nervy at times, but DG Rugby Pod touch superstar AJ managed to settle the nerves with a well-worked try. Josh converted to make it 31-15 with just 10 minutes to go. Could the lads hold on? The short answer, yes. The long answer, yes. That's Quote from Annan website, James Kirby made the game safe as he dashed over the whitewash for Annan's sixth try of the afternoon. Josh with the conversion again, 38-15. Kilmarnock were the last act of the match. They scored a try which took the final score to 38-22. Five points on the road, a great start for new player coach Juan, new captain Kieran and well played the lads. Yeah, well done to Annan. Really good start to the season. And obviously we will preview what they've got coming up this weekend, touching on what Juan had to say. But first, a little bit of a disappointment in not the way a side wants to get their season kicked off. It just adds to more kind of stop-start, doesn't it, with with postponements. And that's what Moffat had when when their game got postponed over the weekend. Yeah, and obviously we've we've had Ross on the podcast earlier. You know, he was really looking forward to this game, and it was a real chance for for Moffat to show what they'd been working on. Another opportunity for them to put those little building blocks in place. But unfortunately, I think it's just probably this time of year it's real difficult for for Mull to get ferries across because they're all booked months and months in advance for folk on folk on holidays. So they weren't able to to get any any travel across. So the game, the game ended up postponed. It's a real, real sick enough for for Moffat, but you know that's that's one of those things that sometimes when these island sides, when they can't get across, they can't get across. There's not much, not much you can do about it, unfortunately. We have to run through the ladies, and we don't want to hit on it too much. Each of these games, not because we want to brush over it, but we know that it was a hard day at the office. You know, from the match reports that we've got from the from the girls that we've talked to, that we know. It was a tough day at the office for all the sides. Sirens went away. They knew it was going to be a tough game. Storf and Cougars and the home side won 68-0 in the end. A tough one for the, for the Sirens. We, we knew Cougars were good. And I've I've actually watched watched the game back. I managed to get a video link of the game. And although that, that scoreline looks, looks real bad, there was, I think there was five tries from quick tap penalties. Two tries came from just... Defensive error, 
Cougars just making a line break, running running some short balls off the of ten. And the Sirens actually played some pretty good territory. They they probably had a better kicking game. Lisa Ritchie was able to put them in some good positions. Their their line out was okay, uh, functioned all right. Scrum not so much. They they fairly got dominated by Cougars up front. But the the clinical nature um, of Cougars was just there to see. You know, I would say a good eighty percent of their line breaks they they converted into into points into tries. Saying that there was there was a couple of try saving tackles that the sirens had put in to to stop scores, Cougars from getting more scores on the board. But yeah, tough day at the office when you get beat sixty eight nil. Sometimes it's easy to put the head down, but in fairness to the sirens, looking at the tape, you know they really they really tried to keep plugging away and keep trying to work their to work their systems. They were made to work really hard to gain any sort of foothold or any sort of sustained possession. It just wasn't. It wasn't for them. They 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 would get three or four phases, lose the ball, turn over, and and Cougars would hit them on the counter. Yeah, that that's pretty much the story of the game, unfortunately. So not great, but not an absolute disaster. The scoreline reads bad, but it's it's some easy fixes, some some wee changes, and and they should be right. Is they should be right to go again. Hopefully, the same can be said about the Annan Warriors. They conceded seventy points to bigger on the road, but did manage to get on the score sheet 75. Bigger, just a real dynamic and pacey team. Annan caused them some problems, but they again, I think it's going to be the common theme. They just couldn't keep a hold of the ball. Key phases, they would lose possession and the defence just not clicking, not being able to get into shape quick enough from, from losing and the, losing the possession whenever they got jackled or when they got turned over. And bigger just exploited that. There was some good performances though for for chocolate for Rihanna Parker, Clevin, Ashley Clark, Sword of the Day, which is what they call their basically their attacker of the day, was Nicole Mullen. Neve Ross also played really well. She won the Shield of the Day, which is the further defensive. Sorry, Lexi Glendinging won the Shield of the Day. Neve Neve Ross just gets a mention for for a, another good performance. She's the Girl that's just been signed off to play senior rugby, Scotland Sevens uh, player. So she she's obviously had another really good game, really stepping up to to senior rugby. So I get chocolate again. Not overly worried. It's not a great score line, but there's some easy fixes there for him as well. That he thinks he just get a couple of things right in defence, get a bit of line speed, get themselves set a little bit quicker. They'll be back in with a shout. Without wanting to sound too much like a scratch record, I'm hoping again that that is also the case for Shire ladies. They were away to Greenock Wanderers, 38-5. Yeah, it was a tough day at the office for Shire yeah, as, as they headed up to, to Greenock. They knew it was going to be a tough game, Greenock, sort of in and around that, that mid-table spot, probably the same place that Shire women are, are probably going to be looking at, maybe, maybe slightly higher, as we, we said, but Going by this result, they're away form. They're going to have to improve on that if if they if they are going to be challenged at the top of the table. It looked like in the first half it was a fairly close game. Five twelve was the score at half time, but then Greenock second half just must have opened up. They managed to get themselves up to as you say thirty thirty eight points to five. Shire not being able to score in that in that second half. So hopefully they regroup. And they and they can crack on for for this weekend. 
last but not least then, a little bit away from league action and a bit more of a round robin, round, oh, I can't say that, round robin competition format, I believe. Welcome to the results roundup for Dumfries Ladies, John. Yes, this is not just one match report. We've got a couple of uh, couple of match reports for them to do. So we we said they were on the aspiring league. They they headed up to Mar to play in their competition, and their very first game was none other than Mar themselves. So they've they've had a little bit of preseason game against Mar. They've already played them before, so they'll have known what to expect. From the start of the whistle, the pressure was on. The, the defence held up really well. But unfortunately, they conceded only one try in the first half. I saw some outstanding carries from their newly appointed captain, Annabelle, and some of their other forwards. But Mar managed to hold on tight, and they went into half-time 5-0 down. The second half kicked off, and Mar took full advantage of their large squad size, putting on plenty of fresh legs which was going to cause Dumfries some bother. Still managed to put in a good shift in defence, but Marsh slipped through for another three tries, which ended up making the final score of their first game 20 points to nil. Second game, they then faced Greenock, who had three ladies' teams out that weekend. They had their first team, second team, and then they had a team in the the aspiring league. So this game was, by all accounts, amazing to watch. Molly played... At 10, doing some amazing, doing an amazing job of controlling the attack and setting up two tries in the first half. Try scorers were Tasha and Abby. Greenock managed to score one try of their own in the first half, making it 10 points to five at half time. Dumfries came out the blocks firing in the second half, where the first try went to Tony, who had been on fire all day playing scrum half. What a shift she put in, making try saving tackle after tackle. Dumfries then saw Annabelle make a break um, and carried the whole length of the pitch, offloading to Tasha just short of the try line, who was running some good support lines. And Tasha got try, making her total two for the day. After the restart, the winger Tasha made another break after some brilliant passing from the backs and went over for her hat trick. To round off the game, there was another strong line break and the captain, Annabelle, went over for the last try, which made the final score 30 points to five. Player of the day went to Tony for her amazing effort. Tony's confidence has grown from strength to strength, and she never missed a tackle all day. Another standout performance came from Molly, who had an amazing game at 10. She stepped up and brought her experience to the team and was invaluable in both attack and defence. Coaches are really proud and in all honesty, it was hard for them to pick out any players. Every single one played amazingly. So it's a great start for Dumfries, as we say, on their centenary year. It's their first league game. They've scored their first try and they've appointed their first captain. So a good weekend for for Saints ladies. Yeah, I'm buzzing to have them involved. Another one to add to the results roundup and fixtures preview. On the podcast, just a quick thank you to everyone that sends in match reports and player performances and all that kind of stuff. We really wouldn't be able to do it without you sending in all the notes about all the games you play. Please keep that coming, even if random players want to send us a quick line or two about how how it's been going, you know, getting that, getting the inside scoop that Jack Steele can't 
chop a pint is is funny. We love that kind of stuff. So keep them coming. The beautiful thing about rugby that I've said before, no matter whether you win, whether you lose, whether you play badly, whether you have an individual star performance, no matter what happens on the Saturday or Sunday, there is a next weekend to look forward to. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, potentially ten fixtures slash games slash scheduled rugby events to chat about. Newton Newton Stewart. I'm really struggling with my words today. Newton Stewart is where we start. They'll be hoping to get back on winning terms, get back up that league table. They're away to last Wade. Yeah, and last last Wade coming off a big big away win at Kirkcaldy, forty three twelve. Wiley looking for that for that bounce back. It's it's not a great game to be looking for that because it's always difficult up. At, at last Wade, hopefully it's the it's the little bit of a wake up call again inside scoop. I know Newton haven't been a hundred percent happy with their with their pre season. Obviously, the the farming, the impact that the farming community has on this early start to the season really does make pre season difficult for teams to get together and and really start working on working on things. And as we said. We know Newton, a couple of their, their key players are maybe struggling with a couple of knocks. So it'll be interesting to, to see how Newton Stewart do bounce back in this game. I felt a little bit guilty because obviously I'd give them the favourites tag last week. It weighs heavy on Newton's shoulders when I when I give them those tags. So this one, we won't name them favourites. This one, we'll say, is going to be a tough game for them. They're going to need to be on the ball. Last Wade's a, a tough place to go, so best of luck to Wiley and the boys as they try and get the league season back on track. I was going to say, well, we you can say the same thing about Saints, Saints wanting to get their season back on track, but that's not necessarily true. As we said, they only lost by two points. They put in good performances, as you said, John, some positives and some negatives, which is always good because you know what to work on the week before. But they will be wanting to get on winning terms. And they are also away this time out. Hillhead, Jordan Hill. Yeah, Hillhead. This is the again. This is the a difficult one to to sort of look at and predict because Hillhead, Jordan Hill haven't been having a particularly great run of things the last few years. They've they've really struggled. They're on a bit of a dip. You know, they they used to be a really strong side, but I don't know what's happened there that they've just not been on form the last couple of seasons but with it being Glasgow you've got no idea who who's going to rock up when and where at training you know there's so many teams to pick from uh, and Hillhead might pick up some guys returning back up to uni for for freshers week I think it's, it's potentially around the corner I know there's a few guys that I know have started moving up towards halls this this sort of week to try and get themselves organised so you just you just never know what what's going to happen. But Hills lost to Alan Glens at the weekend. They lost a, a close game as well, ten seven. Now the, the good thing for Saints is they managed to get a lot of scores on the board. They they've got their attack attack going for them. Hillhead obviously haven't. They've only they only managed to score one try, but their defence looks good as well because Alan Glens only scored ten points, so that's one try in a conversion. And a, and a penalty. 
So it's going to be. It's, it's, I think this is a good one for Saints. I think they'll they'll go into this one with a bit of confidence. Yes, it's an away game, but their attacks firing, their defence, a little, a few little tweaks that Paddy, I'm sure, will be working on over over this week, and they should be they should be looking at this game as as potentially one of the games that they are targeting to to pick up some points at. Now, whether that's a losing bonus point again, I think would be aiming low. You know, I think they will they'll be going into this game looking to looking to get at least a win, and if not a four, if not a full uh, five pointer. Potentially a little bit of a unknown for us as well. It's our first away league game this season at the Stuart Tree. Perthshire is where we're headed. <laughs> it's a it's a hellish bus trip up to up to Perthshire. They're a real tough side, real physical in the pack. And I think that's that's what's going to be the big difference. I watched a bit of the Strathmore game. Uh, obviously, Roscoe, you you were involved in that. Strathmore actually looked like that was their that was their best performance, and the and the Stuart Pack were able to to handle majority of the play. There was a little bit of the breakdown that was a little bit of a a concern or a little bit of an area where potentially Strathmore got a bit of leeway in. And I think that that will pretty much be the same at, at Perthshire. They they'll be a f- strong physical side that will want to contest breakdowns. They'll be well drilled. They'll be structured. They'll they'll play hard. And it's again, it's going to be down to Stuarty Stuarty defence. How are they going to match up? How are they going to front up? Are they going to be able to make those dominant tackles? Are they got the tackle height comes into it as well? Perthshire will traditionally have been a tackle up high sort of team. Now having to change their defensive efforts, so that's that's the chink in the armour for Stewartry. Can they get the quick ball? Can they get the offloads? That's certainly, if I was in Sandy's shoes, that's certainly the, the areas that I'd be looking to try and exploit and, and certainly work on this week at training is get that set piece organised because that's where Perthshire are going to try and get their launching from and then can we front up defensively and in the in the breakdowns against that. What will be a, a big Perthshire pack this game in West One is a little bit easier for us because it's a, it's two sides we know quite a lot about. Annan, after such a brilliant win against Kilmarnock, back at Violet Bank, and they're welcoming DL. Off the back of that win, you've got to be looking at at Annan for another for another victory here. But they can't get ahead of themselves. You know, we we talked about them all last year. Was this this issue that they can put out? big performances against big teams and then just fall away whenever there's games that are teams that you think would would maybe be tight or games where Annan would be expected to, to certainly be winning them. This is one of them. You know, that you they would, would probably expect to beat DL, although they've come off the back of a, a big win last weekend. But you would still back Annan be able to do something against them, especially with the win against Kilmarnock. So they've got to go into this game solely focused. And Jan talked about it earlier on, having those having those goals as to where they want to be after after four games. So good and well setting those targets. But you've got to go into each and every single game with the same mindset, same belief, the same sort of mentality that you're going to have to fight, you're going to have to dig in, you're going to have to pull out things that you didn't think you were capable of doing in order to do anything in this this West Regional League because it is such a tight, tight league. 
you can't afford to take weekends off. And this is one of them for Annan. If they are going to be serious and they're going to be, as Jan said, they're looking for top three finish, that's great. They have to pick up these wins then. The the games where you expect Annan to be doing well, they've got to pull through. And this will be a big, big test for them. A different type of test, but a big test. Now, obviously, Shire weren't playing over the weekend because they had their scheduled, agreed, earlier start to the season. But they are back in amongst the normal fixtures again. And they are at home playing Straven. Yeah, this is a similar story to what we've said about the Saints and Hillhead game. Uh, Straven coming off the back of a loss to Adrosin. Shire coming off the back of a loss to Oban. Both those games will have hurt. You know, Adrosin haven't had the, the best of times. But have obviously regrouped this season, falling into the, the West Regional Leagues from the National Leagues last year. Straven are a, a decent side, but on the road you've got to back Shire. You know, if Shire, so if Straven are coming down to to Shire, then you've got to back Shire. You know, they they've got to make sure that those those teams travelling down are are going to find it difficult. They're going to find they're going to have to work for every point that they get when they play. We've talked about it again, going back, the consistency of performance with Shire. When they were in West 2, they were able to take the foot off the gas in a couple of couple of games. I'm not going to be allowed to do this, do that in West 1. There is a couple of changes happening to the coaching structure. It's not been totally ratified, so I can't comment too much on it. But I have heard there's there's some, some movement, some changes happening there to try and give them the best opportunity that they can. It started in pre-season. It's not a reaction to the open game at all. So this is this is a game Shire need to go in there thinking that they need to get five points. They need to put a, put a marker back down and say, last weekend, it was a, the weekend previously, sorry, but the last fixture they played was just the fact that they had to travel to open and we know how difficult it is to go there. But Shire are going to be a team to be reckoned with in this league. And they're going to have to put that marker down this weekend against Straven. Finally, in the men's, another Glasgow team to talk about. Moffat are away this time. They were supposed to be at home. The game was postponed, as we said. They are away to Glasgow Uni Medics. Yeah, and this is a real difficult one for them now. I might play into to Moffat's favour. That at the minute, as we said, the, the universities are just gathering themselves back up. So we don't know what they will have had at training. They'll probably, some of their guys, or maybe this will be their first week training at, at uni medics. So it's not another opportunity. But as Ross says, games for him are going to be about being able to build the blocks. So, so Moffat obviously didn't have a great season last year. They've been excited about what's happening. There's no way we can expect miracles to happen on, on day one. It's about building layers. And if, if they build the layers, then the results will come. So if they go and they start building on what they've done in pre-season, there's every opportunity that they can pick up a victory on the road when they play Glasgow Uni Medics. It's all about have they got the squad numbers? Have they got the depth that guys are going to be available to to make that trip this weekend? Having not played last weekend, where you sort of get to to ride the high of of league season starting, we're all we're all going the excitement of it. 
they've had their game cancelled already. Be dead easy for the Moffat players to just go. Oh, here we go again. It's going to be another one of those stop-start seasons. But they've got to give it a chance. They've got to get get themselves into it. Make sure they're available. Give Ross the best opportunity to to get teams together that can play consistently, and and try and build on what they've been building on in pre-season and and build on that through this through the year, and see where it ends. See where they end up. Because I think if they start building and they start getting a bit of momentum, success breeds success. And all of a sudden we're on we're on the front foot and, and Moffat are turning games where they would have lost into games that they win. And that's that's what their target's got to be for this for this weekend and going forward. As we said in the results roundup, we're hoping for a bit of a resurgence for the women's teams. We're all behind them this weekend, hoping they can turn fortunes around. Sirens, we'll start with, have another tough game and another game back in the capital as they're away to Harriet's Blues. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough for Sirens to bounce back because this is another tough, tough game when they play Harriet's. Now, I've already did a little bit of uh, a little bit of research for the for the Sirens girls because obviously Stewartry uh, Club. So I've already watched the videotape of. Of their game from previous weekends, and they they play real slick rugby. They've got some real width. They play with some real good shape. They've got a lot of tip balls coming off of the coming off the lead runners in their forward pods, and they look to attack again real quick. Tap penalties. I know the sirens are maybe struggling a little bit for numbers this weekend. That's inside knowledge. They had requested a change in fixture from Heriot's, but. The Herits also would have struggled to field the team on the Sunday. So that means that the Saturday fixture has to go ahead. So Stuartry are, are trying to clamber to, to, to pull a squad together. I think they're sitting around 13 players now. So not a million miles away. But if, you go, if you're if you going there with a, a bit of a patchwork squad, then it's just going to be even more difficult. Now, the Sirens need to make sure that they secure up that, that defensive midfield because Herits will expose them. And those line breaks was just far too many line breaks from Cougars over turnover ball. And Herits are going to play pretty similar. And they're going to play, play fast, so they need to be switched on for those quick tap penalties. It's another tough one. It'll be a big ask. But if anybody can do it, the Sirens can do it because they seem to be able to pull things out of, uh, out of absolutely nowhere. We've seen that a couple of times in the past. So watch this space. Let's see what happens. West of Scotland is the venue for Annan Warriors. They are travelling up there for their game as they also look to bounce back after a defeat to Bigger. Again, it is similar to the Sirens where it's it's a bit frustrating that they've got a second away game on the bounce, but such as rugby at the top levels and they're going to have to go and do a job at West of Scotland. And again, it sounds like... Uh... Misery man here, but it's it's going to be a, another real tough, tough fixture. Annan, as you say, on the back of a of a defeat, not only one defeat, but they're on the back of three defeats now. They need to try and stop the stop that bleeding, stop that tide. Got to try and get themselves back to winning ways. And unfortunately for them, West of Scotland are currently sitting top of the league, having already scored a hundred and thirty nine points in their in their three games. Now. The good thing that Annan can take a little bit of uh, light from is that they've also conceded nearly 100 points. So it's there for the taking. 
But if they go there with a leaky defence, like Chocolate has pointed out, that the defence just isn't clicking, then it's going to be another tough day at the office. What Annan have to concentrate on is they can score points, but they have to try and make sure that their defence does not leak. Because West of Scotland are vulnerable in defence. Their attack has been their, their attack has been lethal. So Annie need to sort the defence. They need to go into the game with ambition, with uh, with courage, probably, and and just go for it. They've got nothing to lose. They're going into this game and, and, and listen, you're looking at top versus bottom. You're expecting top of the table to win this game. So Annan have nothing to lose. They can go into this game and play with a bit of freedom, try and make sure that defence clicks, see if they can get some points on the board. And they, you never know. They might sneak a bonus point. Hey, they might even sneak a win. But they've got to try and start building something together to make sure that it's it's not another route because that, that will be a real sickener for them. Because Dumfries ladies are every second week, as John has just told me, this is the last game to preview. So it was nine in the end, not ten. Shire ladies, they're back at home. They've got air. Yeah, and I'm looking at social media through the week and and I see air are producing 40 players at training. My good uh, my good friend Andrew Duncan up there coaching air. I know he listens to the podcast. He's managing to do a great job up at air. He's actually doing double coaching. He's coaching a Saturday where Drossen first 15 men, which is uh, his club that he he played for. But he's also coaching their ladies. So fair fair play to him, spending his whole weekend coaching rugby. So well done done to him. But it's the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. So we'll move on from Andrew, even though I love him. uh, We'll move on from him. Here are two from two. They're they're looking pretty sharp. Shire, two losses, one win. This is actually going to be a really interesting game. I actually think this is going to be our game of the week, if I'm totally honest with you, Roscoe, because I think these two sides play very similar rugby. They've got a pack that that likes to to dominate, but also likes to play a little bit. They've got some real offloaders, they've got some real strong carriers, and they've got absolute sheer ballers in, in both back lines. And I think this could be a real tight, tight game. Again, it's going to come down to the availability because we we know that that's potentially an issue for for Shire and Air are going to have those forty players to pick from. So their squad selection, how they manage that squad, is, is going to be an interesting one for for them. But this this could be a real tight tight game. I'm looking forward to seeing how seeing how it plays out. Shire need to get their show back on the road. They've got to put that game down to to just bad luck. And if they are going to be fighting at the top half of the table, then then they have to they have to start getting back on track, back to winning ways. And we're looking for a reaction from them after the weekend. There we have it then. Another week of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast done. Unless John, you have any other rugby business? I think it's uh, too too early in the season for any any big rugby news. The, the one shout out though, I will actually give a shout out to Dumfries under-16 girls. Now, if you follow very many rugby social media pages, um, Saints are pretty decent on their their social feeds at the minute. They they gave us a blow-by-blow of the Dumfries girls under-16s 
game. Guess where they played Roscoe? Guess where they ended up having to play? Could be anywhere in Scotland. Take your pick. Where do you think? I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. They had to take a plane. Oh, Christ. Orkney. Close. Shetland. Oh, my God. They had to charter a plane that took them up to Shetland to then get the to get the ferry across. So plane up, ferry across. Played their game. I think they won. I'm not hundred percent sure. I was I was more interested in their journey because it was fascinating. But they ended up the plane couldn't fly back. So they had to get a ferry back, then get a bus from I think Inverness down to Glasgow and they then had to get a minibus from Glasgow down to Park Farm on a Sunday night what time do you think they would have got home after all that I'll give you a hint it wasn't a Sunday night Sunday night yeah I knew you were going to say Monday morning three o'clock in the morning them girls get back and if any of them made it to school at nine o'clock on Monday morning fair play that is a shift because I certainly would not be wanting to get back up in the morning after that to to try and go to school. So massive shout out to them, massive shout out for Saints for for supporting the girls being able to play that fixture. There'd have been many, many a team central belt that would have seen that fixture and just gone, nah, we're not we're not fitting that bill. But Saints showing full support for their girls section, put their hand in their pocket. Paid for that transportation to get them to get them up there and back and fair play to the girls for making that trip. That's a that's an epic adventure. Yeah, absolutely. Fair play. I would hundred percent be taking a sick day at school the next day. So so well done to them. As I said, well, with that being the only any other rugby business, that is us for episode four, not episode five. Episode five is next week. As always, all the best. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a like and review on our social medias. Our Facebook page is Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are DG Rugby Pod. We also have the Score Predictor, which we run weekly, which will be on our social media accounts. And once again, thank you for any support that you offer the pod. It really does help us spread the word of rugby in Dumfries and Galloway across the country.